Hello, and welcome to the Miramichi Historical Linkages podcast. I'm Sean McCarthy, joined uh, by Tasha Smith and our special guest, Melanie Ross, the director of... Hey! Hello, Melanie. Thanks very much for joining us. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, so the the festival going into its 66th year uh, this year, um, so uh, obviously a big part of uh, Miramichi's festival season, and of course also uh, a really long-standing part of the preservation of the the musical history, and I mean just the history in general of. Uh, the uh, of the community, and you've been involved with the festival uh, for for some time as a performer, you know, and eventually, you know, moving your way up to uh, the director of the festival now. So maybe to kind of start off with, uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your personal journey uh, with the Folk Sound Festival. Well, the my personal journey with the Folk Song Festival kind of came together. I had a friend named Shayla Steves and her mom named Hazel, who they used to have a summer home beside me. Um, they used to take me to the festival, and it was it was really an evening in a very hot town hall, and you'd have these singers, and they would be passionate, and they would be singing these stories. And of course, I was singing at that time and singing in the folks in the regular sort of provincial festival, so no, 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 that sort of singing. And here were these people with these amazing voices voices and these amazing stories and really so personal to them. Uh, it was a completely different experience of performing than I'd ever had before, really. And the songs were really long and they were story songs. And I just got wrapped up in those songs. And then in the end, when, you know, and they weren't the prettiest voices, uh, but they were just, it was such a meaningful delivery of that music that it really captured me. And when I was in grade five, I had a teacher by the name of Beth Winkler, and she was talking about folk music and she was talking about Simon and Garfunkel and, and uh, the 59th Street Bridge song, you know, slow down, you move too fast. And she's talking about all this folk music. And she said, you know, there's music in your very own area. And so I said, oh, really? And so then she started talking about Louise Manny and how Louise Manny had collected all of these songs at the behest of Lord Beaverbrook. And I took it upon myself as a grade five student to learn this really lengthy uh, Miramichi folk song called the Miramichi Fire, which is I think 27 verses long um, and at the time I was involved with Susan Butler and she was doing the Bicentennial Singers and and then it all kind of came together where I realized oh this music that Ms. Winkler was talking about is the music that I was going to in these festivals all these years and it was and then I was starting to perform with Susan Butler so it all kind of came together when I was well about age 11 or 12 so that that was quite a while ago. I'm 52 now, turning 53. So when you think about how long it's been since I've been involved in the festival, you could do the math. Um, so then from that point, I just really got engaged with the festival, um, really enjoyed meeting with the people every year. And it was a real gathering time for all of those people. Um, it had developed uh, from when Louise Manny started off and Lord Beaverbrook, who had grown up in Miramichi, uh, had said to her, this very prolific writer who, if you go to the archives, I have gone to the archives and the looking for the Miramichi Folk Song Festival stuff, that's a small portion of all of the things that she wrote about. She wrote about anything and everything. She was prolific. And um, she was a librarian also. Uh, so she was, um, she had decided, Lord Beaverbrook had asked her to collect these songs. She knew nothing about music, and she said, I, I don't think there's any songs. And once she dove into that, 
the library of music, the the knowledge that was existing there was just so rich um, that she started doing a radio show. And the radio show became so popular that everybody would stop their work in the lumbering fields, in the lumbering woods, rather, in the, you know, um, anywhere that, that men were working, doing these songs who would, who would naturally have heard them in the woods working and, and on the ships working would stop and listen. And that developed into you know, a day long, an evening of this music, and it developed into three days of this music. And then Susan brought it forth into what I knew of with the, you know, five days of music and lunches and gathering and so on. So, um, so really, I guess that's a, that's a lot of answer for one little question. Um, but I personally became captivated by all of that and the meaning behind all of those songs and the history, which Sean definitely you appreciate um and then when susan asked me to serve as director i i really couldn't say no um it's just a it's a it's a wonderful a wonderful way to continue this tradition and to continue this music and have it heard uh because it is so important and we're the longest consecutively running folk song festival in uh canada <laughs> Did I answer all the questions at once? <laughs> no, I don't believe Almost so. Almost <laughs> all of mine. Sorry. <laughs> but as I said, I can I can totally, totally, uh, I can totally uh, branch off in any of those sections. <laughs> I love conversation like those. Um, not to like try to change or anything, but it did pop. You said that the one of um, one of the songs you sang was a twenty something verses long. Yes. And this was a story song. And what captured me was, um, and I still remember it, you know, this is a truth that now I tell you for mine eyes in part did see what did happen to the people on the banks of the Miramichi. So this is a song that that really um, write, wrote down um, what happened during that time. So it was a historical account of that disaster that happened. And a real human side of it where people were drawn to the water and jumping into the water and animals were doing that. And, and it talked about different parts of the, the river and, you know, the order of where, you know, then it passed to Black River. So it really at the freshest point of that disaster took all of those facts and that person's perspective and, and, and put it into a song. And it captivated me as a grade five student to think about this is the way that history could be communicated and how it could be compelling for someone you know many many years later um to really realize that the humanity of a disaster to me in a sense that sounds very similar to oral traditions but just presented yes. like you said in a, in a in a song which is very common for a lot of cultures and absolutely beautiful and it allows that opportunity for connection to really yes. relate. Oh, I love that. Was yes. that the longest song you've ever sung or? Well, I haven't taken note. I've sung a lot of songs since then, but I would, I would probably say that that was probably uh, the most significant long song that I've ever sung. Um, a lot of these old folk songs are quite long, so they'll have 15 verses because if you're telling a story, I mean, it's, it's like the Iliad or the Odyssey or whatever, you know, these, these long songs. So, 
I wouldn't say definitively it was the longest song that I've sung, but definitely at that age, it was pretty significant. And I remember, you know, picking blueberries and memorizing it and thinking about it. And you know what I mean? In the summers in the cottage. So it was really a part of, um, a part of me after a while, you know, that, that song and then other songs that I learned. Uh, and when you speak of oral tradition, I really think about Marie Hare, who was a mentor of mine who taught me a lot of the songs. And it was all through oral tradition because here I was this teenager and um, she was, there was all of these men, you know, all of these men singing the lumbering songs and R and oh, you know, the lumberman's alphabet and A's for the X's that she's all know, right? And there was this wonderful lady by the name of Marie Hare from Strathadam. And uh, I, I went to her, she was a senior and I said, I would like to learn some of your songs. And she was so gracious and so lovely that she took the time and, the way that we would do that, the oral tradition is a little bit different because she would, I, I would call her on the phone and I had the little tape recorder and you folks in the radio industry would probably remember this, maybe, little tape recorder and I would record her singing the song and I would go away, I would learn it and then I would sing it back to her. I'd call her back up and I'd sing it to her and she would say, oh, no, no, that's not the way to do it. Oh, yes, that's the way to do it. Um, and so on. So it really is the oral tradition um, of learning those songs from the tradition bearers. So great point, Tasha, that oral tradition and the passing on is so different than how we sometimes learn things today from a recording or, you know, that sort of experience. And that is like a perfect example of combining traditional and modern, like, um, uh, technology and like you said passing of history it's it's nice to see that it can be it can be done <laughs> oh absolutely and at the time I guess it was a little strange I've told this to other people who have you know are collectors of folk songs and so on and they were so surprised but at the time it was just a problem-solving method because I couldn't drive a car I couldn't leave my house she was a senior she also was kind of in the same situation so we we're at different points of our lives but in the same situation so it was just kind of a problem-solving um venture at that point necessity is the <laughs> Which is, yeah, i right? guess it's unique exactly exactly yeah but for marie too you know marie really those songs are so important to her and her lived experience and a part of her family and her upbringing and so on so it was very significant that i do them properly you know in the way that they should be done I, got, I don't mean to change the subject, but I was just thinking no. um, when you sing songs, do you sing them from like multiple uh, perspectives, like different cultural views? Well, I'm, I'm also, I have a music degree. So I also studied opera and I studied, um, you know, art song and things like this. So, and, and also I've done a lot of different styles of music because I've been a performer. So I've done, you know, I've done jazz and country music and all these things. And I think the key element for me, music is very important. The technical execution of the notes and the, you know, doing that properly is so important. But I think one of the core things that I learned from these experiences at the festival was that it's really your expression of the song. And, you know, in classical music um, styles, when you look at romanticism, you look at how the artist writing the song, the musician writing the song, and then what they hope to uh, send out to the listener and what the listener takes from that and so on. So I made that stretch, I suppose, from the Folk Song Festival of not the prettiest voices, not not the execution of 
how perfect was that note? How high was that note? How fast could they sing it? But the meaning behind what they were doing. So I think when I'm doing all these different songs from different perspectives and different styles, I'm always carrying that piece with me that the most important part is that communication with the other with the person who's receiving that music. So whether it be heartbreak or, you know, uh, if it's a country music and it's heartbreak and the, you know, there's the jokes about the dog and the truck and everything, but, but that's the basic human heartbreak or the, or the love or whatever those, those feelings, those human feelings are that you're accessing. You're trying to elicit that from the listener or have them grab onto that piece of it. And that's where I think we can sort of loop back and talk about the historical piece where these were accounts of real things that happened. These are accounts of how people live their daily lives in the lumbering woods, in their work life, in their home life, and how we can reach back as humans and say, oh, they were the same as me when it comes to emotions and thoughts and feelings. They were having different experiences. So when you talk about your show being called Linkages, then really it's that it's it's a link. That music tasha, like you mentioned, is that link to the humanity piece of the art. You know? Wow, is that ever deep? <laughs> I don't know. It is. <laughs> Now, Sean really has a lot of experience with this kind of thing, too, taking all of those stories and bringing them alive through acting and drama, you know, so you, you would you would be able to relate to that, Sean, I think. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, again, I'll, it's all I mean, I, I, I'm a, a strong believer of the fact that it's all about it's all about stories, whether it's history, whether it's about drama or music or whatever, it's it's that's. That's what, you know, I think we as people, I mean, we, we love to hear a good story. We love to tell a good story, you know, and yes. stories are the things <laughs> that are going to bring us together in a lot of ways. So with your kind of, uh, with, with, you know, you're being involved with the festival for, for, for some time. I'm, I'm curious to know um, when you go. Uh, and in terms of your own connections, I mean, is it different things that you're getting different years? Like when you go or, you know, or, or is it always you know, the same kind of things that sort of fill you up year over year or um, when you attend, you know, uh, the festival and, and participate in it? Well, I think that as time has gone by and things have changed, um, you know, a lot of the tradition bears, the original people who started with Louise Manny collecting like Wilmot McDonald and Alan Kelly and Pearly Hare and Marie, um, as those people have passed on, things have changed. Um, I think what is consistent is that meeting of people, that, that consistency of the, of the tradition of what makes up Miramichi and as director, my hope is to make that Folk Song Festival representative of what Miramichi is today, while still honoring that past piece, because we, we don't want to be a museum. And we don't have the tradition bearers that we had in the past. However, we have people who have taken up that torch, who have learned those songs, who have taken the interest to, to bring those songs forward, which is, which is 
I think what people keep going back for, they keep going back for that familiar experience for, again, the linkage to the past, which they're, you know, being presented with to hear their neighbors who, you know, I think of the McKay's like Robert McKay and John McKay, who for many years, you know, school teacher, uh, politician um, and so on. But for one week of the year, they were folk singer. Right. And seeing people in your community putting forth some of those some of those songs. So I don't think that that is never gonna change about the festival. And I think that's what people go for. To hear that that experience, to have that experience of hearing those songs, of hearing those stories, of meeting up with your neighbor, of having a say, of telling your own stories and about the festival or about about the river or about the history um and then moving forward what i hope people can come to us to find is what is it today like for example um this year's festival uh, in an effort to be more inclusive um we're going to be doing some multicultural we have a multicultural showcase we have a french um acadian showcase we have an indigenous showcase we have um we also have uh, a ladies lunch because I you know as you can imagine same with the experience with me with Marie Hare um, of seeing this this one lady and there were others there were Seraphine Martin and Maisie Mitchell and there were other women that performed but generally it was generally men and um, you know we're gonna have a ladies lunch where it's going to be all uh, women performers female performers so just trying to bring that forth and say all of these people have voices all of these groups have voices you um, you know and, and all of them can tell their stories and their history and what is current in Miramichi today what are the stories that are current in Miramichi today but what are some of the stories from the past as well that we can bring forward? So it's a it's a real combination of what people can go to the festival and expect. And I and I tell people because I have many musicians who are friends that oh can you get me a gig at the festival? I said this is not like a regular festival. It's not a festival that we jet in people from Toronto and we jet in people from everywhere. We're bringing your neighbors, your people, to do songs that that are about Miramichi, for Miramichi, by Miramichi, and it's very niche and it's very, very special. Um, just like Louise Manny at one point, um, you know, Pete Seeger sent her, I don't, this is a bit of a famous story. I've been telling it a lot, but Pete Seeger sent her a letter. Oh, I would like to perform at the Miramichi Folk Song Festival. And this was at the height of his fame. And she wrote him a very nice and very nice penmanship, the letter back saying, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. You are most welcome to come to the Miramichi Festival. But, but really, this is about our people and our songs. So you're welcome to come, but, but you can't, you can't perform what so so we're very different so i looping back to the original question i think what i get from the festival is what i hope everybody gets from the festival and increasingly sees themselves reflected uh in the festival as well as the old historical piece oh great yeah because i mean again as you say i mean to your point i mean all those folks that are performing you know uh as you say they're they're all of our neighbors, right? You know what I mean? And we might, we might not understand. Yes. We, might not, we might not know their stories. We might not know their talent. And it's a great opportunity to kind yes. of, you know, uh, see that, you know, in action. And, you know, um, yeah, it's uh, entertaining and it's uh, educational and it's, it's, it's community building, really. Uh, so I commend you Absolutely. Uh, for that kind of work as well, you know, uh, Thank you. Through, through, uh, through music and festival. So, uh, yeah. So with the, so, uh, just, I guess, uh, kind of a, uh, 
uh, housekeeping point. Uh, when is the festival this year for those those folks that are listening? Well, the festival's happening from August 3rd to 7th. Um, we shifted our schedule last year to be from a Monday to Friday festival to be a weekend festival um, because it's just more accessible for people who are working and so on and it can become a bit of a destination. So um, we start on the 3rd. We do a, a pre-show. Uh, we always do one at the Shannex and this, this reckons back to Susan's days when she worked at the Mount um, Hospital and we always would perform there for the seniors. So we do a little pre-show at the Shannex Parkland. Um, then we do a evening, and this is something new last year as well, which is an evening at the old Folk Song Festival. So it's a bit of a recreation of what I experienced as youth and what would have been some of the early days of the festival, where the people who are performing are going to emulate and do the music of um, people from the past. So some of the people that I mentioned, um, you know, uh, Wilmot McDonald and Marie Hare and some of those, Alan Kelly, and we have people singing their songs, uh, you know, and we also have George Paul is going to be doing, uh, honoring uh, the Mi'kmaq Indigenous uh, part because we used to have Anthony Ward who would consistently come every year and would be involved. Um, so that first night on Thursday is all just what you would see if you came to a traditional Miramichi folk song festival with the addition of Ivan and Vivian Hicks, who have been part of our festival for, oh my goodness, it has to be, um, it has to be over 30 years. So they've been doing the Thursday night at the festival for that long and they are a great hit and people love them. And again, they're, they're a real Miramichi folk song festival tradition. Um, then on the Friday, we're going to do a workshop with Mike Bravner, who's been doing some awesome things with uh, New Brunswick and Miramichi folk songs and Marge Steiner who has been coming to our festival since 1987 and she is a musicologist a doctor of music out of Illinois uh, Bloomington and she she basically came to our festival and has never left she I think she only missed one year during COVID when the virtual festival happened and she was part of that so we're doing a workshop with uh, those two and myself and with some we're going to encourage uh, children from the children's show it's going to happen later in the afternoon to come and learn a song uh, for that, because we really want to perpetuate the learning of songs by the youth. Uh, we'll do a, a luncheon, uh, which is the ladies' lunch that I mentioned. And we also have the Down East players who, have, who are also traditional. So they're not ladies, but I think we're going to call them the ladies' men for that day. Uh, and then we have our children's show. We have an evening show with Paul and Connie and uh, Jason and Melissa Berry and... Uh, uh, Tammy and McKay Oxner, and uh, she's from up Boys Town, Doaktown Way, um, and just trying to include a bit more contemporary look at that, Jerry Roberts. Um, and then on the Saturday, we have an Indigenous uh, piece, and all of this is just by donation, you know, basically people can come in, uh, and Roger Lantang is going to do the Acadian piece, and we have our uh, Marriage Multicultural Society, if I hope I got that name right, they're involved in doing uh, some, some multicultural performances which is awesome and then that night we're gonna have our pub night uh which is going to be the shad bangers ball which is steve heckbert and, and a bunch of miramichi people um and then we have um and the bolier band which was hugely successful last year they really got together for the festival and it just came out of a conversation with roland bolier uh, who is an award-winning guitarist and his family uh is from miramichi and they are very musical and uh, they're going to feature francis the dad in their show this year uh then we have a gospel breakfast on Sunday morning. We've got one of my 
absolute favorite new additions last year, which is Miramichi uh, Fiddlers and Friends on Sunday afternoon, which was so lovely. It was just like being in their living room. We sat in the town hall. The lights were all turned down, you know, because it was a hot afternoon. People served themselves from the kitchen. Like I said, this is, this is your living room. That's your refrigerator. You just go help yourself tea and tea and coffee and juice and whatever you want and some, you know, some treats. And then in the evening, we're having a songwriter circle, uh, which is going to have Dave Stone, who is another prolific writer who's written so many things about Vermishi, and also um, Jason Berry, who I don't think people really appreciate all the awards and all the wonderful things Jason has done. So he's going to bring the contemporary side of Miramichi uh, writing. And David's going to bring the historical side of Miramichi writing. And Mar- David wrote Miramichi Men, who you might even think of as, you might even think of that as a traditional song. But, um, but it was written by David Stone. And, it's, you know, come all you good people and give me some time. A tale I will tell of a time long gone by. Northeast of Brunswick in song we will speak and tell of the men of the Miramichi. So that song was written by Dave Stone, who has written many historical songs uh, about Miramichi. And I'm really excited to have him at the Songwriter Circle because he has written songs about Miramichi. And the first time we met, I heard him singing Miramichi songs. We were in a song circle or a song, you know, group. And uh, I was like, are you from Miramichi? And, and and that whole thing, who's your father? Like, who are you related to? And he's like, oh, I just love Miramichi. I love the name of it. I love everything about it. So we became fast friends, of course, as a, as a Miramichi nationalist. I approve. Um, you got me thinking. We were talking about uh, the local festivals. Have you done any festivals that, um, away from Miramichi? Oh, yes. I mean, um, well, last year, I will, I'll mention a specific festival that might be of interest to your listeners. Uh, I was at the Funday Sea Shanty Festival. It was their first annual one last year. So I'll be doing that again this year. And that is all sea shanties at St. Martin's, New Brunswick. That's pretty awesome. Um, but growing up, I mean, of course, I did the Miramichi festivals like the Irish and the Scottish Festival. And Susan Butler really brought me into that world uh, because she's involved in so many things. But I've also traveled around quite a bit in, in Nova Scotia. I did the Lunenburg Folk Festival and the Back in the day, I did the Mahone um, Boat Festival. There's there's a lot of different festivals that I've done. And and in my travels, I've been lucky enough to muckle on to a couple of things like the Tokyo Celtic Festival and and other festivals that would be happening when I was doing some of my other performing. So um, I have performed, I perform membership folk songs, I will tell you. In every well, in every part of the world that I've been in Europe, Middle East, Asia, not South America, so I got to get there. But uh, but otherwise, I've sung them in the deserts of Dubai, around a campfire, and uh, yeah, so I've sung in a lot of festivals, informal, informal, formal settings to kind of spread the joy of of those songs, and the you know, so it's 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 been a real privilege. That is amazing. I love to hear that. And it just like shows how far you're spreading Miramichi's history and stories to everyone else around the world. I love that. And then bringing back pieces with you to Miramichi. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. So before, before we go, uh, I guess uh, I would be very remiss if I did not mention uh, the fact uh, that I guess I gaffed a little bit uh, with your introduction. I mean, I suppose I should have introduced you as Dr. Melanie Ross. Uh, You you recently received a a doctorate from St. Thomas University. So congratulations. Uh, 
And uh, yeah, so the, that uh, what was that like to, uh, to to now, like I say, oh, to, uh, to, my- to become a, a, a doctor? <laughs> Well, my goodness, uh, it, it was quite surprising to me when they gave me the call. I had some wonderful nominees in the uh, Wayne Curtis and Susan Butler and David Adams Richards. Um, really, it's thanks to them that they put my name forward and put the energy into the nomination process. And I feel like, I kind of feel like this is not really so much for me, but I really believe it is um, a recognition of how important it is to further the traditions of of Miramichi and of New Brunswick. And it really gives a good, uh, a place for that in our history and in our, the place of importance. And so me receiving this doctorate really, I believe it's not so much about me as it is about the tradition and putting that tradition forward. Um, and the piece that I've had in that, the small humble piece that I've had, and I guess I have a lot to live up to as far as uh, moving forward with this. I, I haven't used the doctor moniker. Um, I know I know I'm traveling soon, so maybe maybe I'll name myself as Doctor Ross and get some upgraded travel uh, perks. I don't know, but uh, but then if they call for a doctor on the plane, I'm a little bit in trouble, so I'm not really sure. So I'm I'm not really sure how to use that moniker, but I but I do feel so honored and humbled by that, and uh, I really feel it is a mandate to continue this work and expand it. Absolutely. And I think you're being uh, very humble in saying that, you know, that it's not for you. I think, I think you've done a great deal to, to keep that tradition going and, and, are, and are actively still doing that. Um, so, like I say, Thank I think you. that's definitely well, uh, well-deserved. And I'm sure that, Thank again, you. You know, you've accepted it in such a way that, you know, it, it's going to continually be uh, that, 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 uh, that deservingness is going to be uh, continually renewed over time. Uh, oh, yeah. Thank you. Oh, no, of course. So um, as we draw to a close on this episode, uh, so anything further that you'd like to speak about before we uh, wrap up for this week? Just, you know, if you know anybody who knows some of these old songs, there are people existing who learn these songs in their families who don't consider themselves singers, who don't consider themselves storytellers. But we all know, maybe not we all, but a lot of us know people that are in the, you know, just hiding little wallflowers who know these songs. We need to find those people and let them know that it's not the prettiest voices. It's not the, it's not the polished performances that are important. It's, it's the stories and the songs and the tradition and the expression and really, really celebrate Miramichi and really celebrate this tradition because we had people coming from all over North America specifically, but all over the world, especially from England and so on, to study these songs because it was such an important find and such a, so significant. And we can't forget that. So come to the festival. It'll be the very best. If you know someone who knows the songs, let me know. We're going to, we're going to talk to them, Sean McCarthy. And, uh, and let's just keep on celebrating Miramichi and, uh, and New Brunswick folk and traditional songs because uh, it really does connect us with our humanity. That's great. So uh, <laughs> with you. that, uh, we, will, we will draw to a close for this week. Our thanks to Dr. Melanie Ross for taking the time uh, to speak <laughs> with you. us uh, today and to share her, her passion uh, for Miramichi's folk song history and, her, and, of course, her history in general and her ongoing work. So we look forward to seeing her in August, if not before. Um, and uh, we look forward to seeing all of you who next week, or I guess in two weeks' time, when we're back uh, with our next episode. 
Thanks so much. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure.